Please be seated. Thank you so much. Wow. I want today, as, I'm, as I preach God's Word, a very, very interesting topic. I know this is going to make a deep impact into your life. I want you to be shouting out some agreement because actually and now our, our services are going live uh, in, the, in the form of a podcast and you can download this. Anybody can download it all over the world. They can hear this message that God is speaking to this church in this city today. That's pretty good news. Amen? Yeah. And uh, I just want to thank our, uh, our technical team who've been able to set this up. It's amazing. So give me an amen. Yeah. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on. Amen. Let's stir the fire of God up in this place. In the name of Jesus. Open your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to read from verse 7. Deuteronomy. It's about the fourth or fifth book in the, into the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 8. Starting from verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Did I say He's bringing you into a bad place? He know He's bringing you into a good land. Everyone say, a good land. Flowing with springs of pools of water, or flowing with streams and pools of water with springs that gush forth in the valleys and the hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, olives, and honey. Now that is a muesli selection, if ever I heard it. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Who is glad that God has provided a good inheritance for them? But, everyone say but. But this is the time to be careful. When, you ex when you're experiencing the goodness of God, be careful, beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations, and laws. For when you have become full and prosperous, amen, there is a promise, when you become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large, and your silver and gold have multiplied, Anybody here have stocks in silver or gold? Anybody here have a... Uh, I believe silver is, is the thing to invest in. Just, uh, I want to, if you're in the trading business, silver is where it's going to be at, I believe. Um, so, and, and they're putting out a website very soon where you can just trade on silver through the website. And you don't even have to go and buy silver. You just have, you know, it's all paper now. But they hold those reserves for you. It's going to be very good. All right. This is the time, and everything else, this is the time to be careful. Do not become proud at this time and forget the Lord your God, who rescued you from the slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that He led you through the great terrifying wilderness with poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was hot and dry. Instead, He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness. He did all this to humble you and test you for your own good. So if you're going through it, if you feel like you're in that hot and dry place, understand that it's not because you've necessarily done something bad 
or earn God's displeasure. No, He is testing you and preparing you to be able to handle prosperity and wealth and to be careful that you do not forget Him. Can somebody say amen? He did this. Verse 17, He did this, or He did it so you would never think it was your own strength and energy that made you wealthy. Always remember that it is the Lord your God. I want to go to the first slide now. Always remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you power to become rich or power to become wealthy. And He does it to fulfill the covenant He made with your ancestors. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Today I'm going to start a series that I believe will deeply impact each of our lives and it's something that must be taught from the pulpit because finance and money and blessing and laying up a future not only for our own lives but for the generations to come is so, so important in God's eyes. The fact is that this book, the Bible, was actually mostly written mostly by the wealthiest men and people of their time. It was authored them, but it was it was actually inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it was penned and written down by people like Moses, who if you took his salary and compared it to today's standard, he would be getting about $1.5 million a week. It was written by people like Abraham, wealthy in his time. People like Job, the Bible says there was no one more wealthy. People like King David. People like Solomon, whose abundance astounded all the kings and queens in the world at that time. Even Paul. Even Paul, the Apostle Paul. Coming from an affluent family, uh, you know, he didn't. He wasn't short of a dollar or two either. He was in the he was in the hospitality industry. <laughs> he would make tents, and tents were the hotels of that day. And uh, and, and whenever you know, he, he, of course, he wanted to seek first the kingdom of God. But I want to. Uh, the idea is not that that the the idea is not um, that I'm preaching about about prosperity or trying to achieve something that's done by our own strength. No, I'm telling you that God's will is for us to rise and believe and begin to operate in a realm that we've never operated in before. You see, this series is going to speak to your life because I'm not preaching about getting money from you. I'm going to teach you how, to get, how God wants to get money to you. Everyone say, to me. And through me. So I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak His ideas. And as I preach and minister over these coming weeks on the topic of Jesus on wealth, Jesus on wealth, I believe He will give you His ideas. Today's message, I'm going to attempt to cover just a few thoughts and encourage you to start looking afresh at God's opportunities for our lives. Cashing in on God's opportunities. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. I just want to ask a question right now. Is anybody here against wealth? 
Does anybody here want poverty or poorness? No? I know that there are times in our lives and seasons in our life where we learn to embrace difficult situations or challenges and we learn things through that. But God's will is that, that in that He sent Jesus was that we come and live abundant lives. That doesn't mean that we're all going to be Bill Gates or Michael Jordans or, you know, or, or all those people that have this extravagant wealth. But no, but God has given us something, not just salvation, not just deliverance, but He's given us something that He calls power, supernatural power, to get wealth. Now, who knows that the Bible says, because some people have a wrong concept when it comes to money and wealth, because they read the Bible, and who knows the Bible says, money is the root of all evil. Is that right? No. What, what does that scripture say? The love of money. Not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. God help us if we ever become, ever get in love with money instead of seeing money as a servant of us and also a servant of the Most High. To fulfill God's plan in our lives, to love people more, to help people more, to bless our families, to increase more. Amen. As I've been studying some books and reading some books on financial freedom, I've been totally prompted to study what Jesus had to say on the subject of money. While I was away on vacation and over the last, last months, I've been stirred up in my heart about this area. And, and I've been driven to the Word of God. I've been led to the Word of God to see Really, what does Jesus say about money and finance and wealth? I hope to answer questions like, is Jesus cool with me being wealthy? I hope to answer questions like, does God really want me to prosper? Answer the questions, can you be rich and righteous? What are the secrets to wealth, wealth from the Word of God? Have you ever been into a pet store and seen... Uh, in one of those perspex cages, rats you know, or mice, and they're on one of those little wheels that run around. Yeah, have you ever seen that? I think we've got a, a slide on that. Yeah, right there. And uh, endlessly spinning inside one of those wheels, burning up a lot of energy, get it, but still getting nowhere, still trapped. I wonder if uh, when it comes to money, if you still feel like that or if you felt like that at some stage. Who's ever heard of the rat race? Hello? The rat race. Let me give you a typical rat race scenario. And if you're hearing voices today uh, coming out that it's not my voice, it's okay. It's not, 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 you're not hearing voices. You're not schizophrenic. It's actually translation happening uh, because there are people here who are just learning English and we're translating in Brazilian today. Isn't that fantastic? Give the Lord a hand. Yeah. Portuguese, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That's how much I know. But I know they're good soccer players. Yeah. Let me give you a typical rat race scenario. This may not be descriptive of you, 
but think about the typical life scenario of the hard-working person in a Western culture. Okay, you were born. You grow. You start to go to school. Your parents are very excited because you get pretty good, fair grades or good grades and you pass your exams and you're finally accepted into college. You graduate and then you do as exactly as society programs you do. You look for a safe, secure and hopefully well-paid job. You may become a software engineer, an accountant, a lawyer, a contractor, a doctor. You might opt for a job in the government sector with all the benefits or in the armed forces. And you be, whatever job you have, you begin to make money. Credit cards begin to arrive in mass. Hallelujah! The shopping begins. You have money to burn. You go to other, young, other places where other young adults hang out and you meet somebody, you date and you perhaps get married. Now life is wonderful. Because today people are very career-oriented and the promise of money looks real good. And if you, if you are married, both husband and wife often work. And so now two incomes are coming in instead of one. And you feel successful. The future is bright. Everything's looking up. You've got money. You've got money in the bank. You decide to buy a house. You decide to buy a flat-screen TV. You decide to... Uh, to uh, put some grow, you know, take vacations. You decide to have children, and there the happy little bundle arrives, and the demand for cash is enormous. You decide now that your career is vitally important to sustaining your financial future, so you work harder, seeking promotions, uh, getting to seek raises, making sure that your financial future is secure. And the raises do come because you've studied hard. And promotions come. And things are looking good. But also, not only do promotions come, but so does another child. And the need for a bigger house. So you work harder and become better an, a better employee, even more dedicated. You go back to school to do extra study to get a more specialized job so you can earn more money. Maybe you decide to take a second job. Hands up those who have ever had a second job in their life. Yeah. And your income goes up. It's wonderful, but suddenly so does your tax bracket. Your social security taxes go up. The mortgage interest rates go up. And all the costs on the new family and the new home. You get a large paycheck, but, finally, but you're beginning to wonder, where is all this money going? What's happening? You buy some mutual funds... Maybe your children reach five to six years of age and you need, and somehow this overwhelming feeling comes upon you that you need to save for their college and it presses in on you and the need to somehow save for your own retirement. And you, that happy couple or that happy single, now 35 years of age, feel like you're totally trapped in the rat race for the rest of your working lives. Income coming in, but my expenses are about the same level. There's as much going out as there is as much coming in. It seems like you're working for everybody else and hardly working for yourself at all. Does it sound familiar? Give me a yes if it sounds familiar. You realize that you're actually working for three different people. You're not working for yourself. You're working 
for the owners of your job, the owners of your company. Number two, you're working for the government because you're paying so many taxes. And number three, you're working for the landlord paying off rent or working for the bank paying off your mortgage and your credit cards. Then we tell our children the same thing. Go study, find a good job and a safe job and a secure job. And they end up working all their lives and learning very little about money. We learn a lot about our world, but little about money. And this, friends, repeats itself from generation to generation. And that's why we feel like that sometimes. The rat race is where we end up working overly hard all our lives and end up learning nothing about money except from those who profit, profit from our na naivety. Is that it? That's, I couldn't quite get that. The only way out of the rat race, everyone say the only way out. Do you want to know how to get out of the rat race? Go to the next slide. The only way out of the rat race is not, just, is not to just work for money, but to learn how to make money work for you. The Bible says, money shall not be your master. If you are always working for money and feel like you're in a rat race, then money has become your master. Don't worry, this is, the, this is no finger pointing. This is just, I want to help you understand that God has given us in His Word teaching about how to get free from the rat race. Do you know that the, one of the Christian's greatest, a believer's greatest heritage is to be free? To be free. Not to be trapped, but it is for freedom that Christ came to set us free. That doesn't mean we throw away our job. But it means that we stop working for money and learn Jesus' ways and take hold of Jesus' opportunities to have money begin to work for us so that we become the master of our destiny instead of money being the master of our destiny. Jesus spoke at least 30% of the New Testament He was speaking about finances, the things that He said, how to make money work for us. The reason most people struggle financially is because they've spent years studying in school but practically learning nothing or zero about how to have money work for them. Just look around right now at all the richest people in the world. A, a fair majority of them never even graduated from school. Bill Gates himself dropped out of Harvard and is now the richest man in all the world. Michael Jordan never graduated. Madonna never graduated. But they're some of the richest people around. <laughs> I don't know, you don't need to compare yourself with any of these people. But there is a baseball pitcher who makes more than $4 million a year even though he has been labeled mentally challenged. Good education and good grades no longer ensure success. Can I hear an amen? Not even knowing how to account for your money will guarantee you success because I know a lot of accountants that are not very rich. 
You can work all the figures. There has to be a different way to make money work for us instead of us working for money. Go to the next slide. Now, the good news is that you do not have to earn a high income to be wealthy. You just have to start to realize that God has given you power to create wealth and to get wealth. Half the battle is understanding that God, who loves you and has got an amazing plan for you and has got a land of promises for you, has given you power to create wealth, to get wealth, to make wealth. And you shall always remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you power to get wealth. Wealth is so... Having wealth is not the be-all and end-all, but it is nice. It can put you in a position of influence and put you in a position where you're, you become a giver instead of a receiver. Hardly anybody listens to a poor person. Most people listen to someone who has done something with their life and something with their wealth. I know that a lot of people, I, I listen to Mother Teresa, I, I believe she's passed away now, is that correct? But she was a great figure, but she'd taken a vow of poverty. It's not just money. You are wealthy in gift. You're wealthy with a gift from God. Somebody say amen. Her gift from God was compassion. And that made one, some of the greatest influence in all the world. God has given you power to create influence and create wealth within you, within your life, there is now within you something that has been given by God that will cause you to have tremendous influence and wealth in this world. A few thoughts about Jesus on money. The important thing Jesus said about money is don't get freaked out about it. Don't worry about it. Trust God. Everyone say, trust God. Then he said, seek first the kingdom. Come on. And then he said, then the promise comes and he says, all these things will be added to you. Somebody say, all these things. Our food, our health, our clothes, our cars, our home. Seek first. Do not worry. This is not meant to put you in stress mode. This teaching on finance is not to put you into a place of comparison from where you are now to where God wants you to be. It's just going to put a seed of desire within your heart to know that Jesus speaks to our lives about finances and about money and that He has a great plan for your life. And I believe over these next weeks, I want to unfold Jesus' ideas about finance and about money so that you will start to think a little different and at the same time I want to tell you I am learning a lot as I am on this rabid search to find out Jesus words and Jesus ideas about finances then after saying seek first the kingdom of God and don't worry about it he says he, he says this is what the kingdom of God is all about it's about growth it's about multiplication. It's about expansion and, in, and investing. There are many parables, four parables that I can think of right now, where Jesus told us that the kingdom of heaven, everyone say the kingdom of heaven. He described to us what the kingdom of heaven is like and, what the, and how the kingdom of heaven should be impacting our lives here on earth. Thy will be done, 
Thy, as it is in heaven, so it should be on earth. The, the parable of the 